deep in the heart of Hauntsville, we invite you to step inside Cryptex Manor to face your darkest fears come to light. Step forward and state your fears if you dare. I'm Anthony, and I'm afraid of garden gnomes. I'm Doza, and I have anxiety, and I'm afraid of most things. I'm Anna, and I'm scared of ketchup. Enter. Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cryptcast. Today, we're talking about haunts and haunted houses, but we've already touched on ghosts and ghost stories, so we're talking more about haunted attractions, where the scares aren't necessarily real, but they do incite real fear. We can't talk about haunted attractions? I mean, we can, but like the oh house God. is the thing here. <laughs> like, We're going to be talking about the. it's more this atmospheric horror where yes, like, yes. it's the house. The house is the problem. Wait, we're talking about haunted houses. Like it's just any haunted attraction. But you but said it have we're to be not haunted. talking about. Yeah, I thought we were just talking about like as in like just haunts. Yeah. So like the seasonal thing that people go to yeah. to get scared. What haunted what house. part of this am I not making clear? I the thought... haunted part. Yeah. <laughs> and then also the house part. <laughs> Because you're talking about the house being the problem and not the fact that there's a setup haunt in it. So take a film like... Give me a minute. <laughs> you should know. this. That's what the episode is. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of one that like encompasses both. Take a film like Hell House, where like there is a haunted attraction, but there's something else happening. Hell House LLC? Yes. Okay, so there's a haunted house, but it is literally haunted like a ghost lives there. But it can also not be literally haunted, like Hellfest, where it's just murder. Okay, okay. Okay. So we're talking about attractions as a whole, because I have a bunch of movies about attractions that I watched that are not necessarily haunted and also not necessarily houses. Okay, I'm interested to see where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm probably like the least experienced out of us with haunts, because one, I'm British, we don't really do haunts here. But two- You got real ghosts. Yeah, we do have real ghosts. But also, I'm scared of them, so, so I don't like going into haunts. I went to a haunt for the first time two years ago, um, and I don't like it, which is exactly what I suspected. I think I made you do three that year. Oh my god. Yeah, you did make me do three. What didn't you like about them? So this is something I'm going to touch on a bit later, but um, it's not good for people with like PTSD and mental health problems. Haunts, sometimes, they can be sometimes unknowingly and... The worst ones are the ones who are knowingly being triggering to PTSD as their um, approach to trying to scare someone, and that's not cool. Like, they, they aim for things that are just, like, widely considered, you know, taboo and uncomfortable Yeah. to deal with. But also, if, like, part of your trigger is people jumping out at you, chasing you, or grabbing you, haunts really aren't a great place to be, <laughs> because as much as you're aware that they're an actor... Obviously, you can just have an episode where you're triggered and they're not an actor to you anymore. And, you know, it's going to ruin the experience for the actors because they're going to feel bad if they're good people. Um, And (laughs) it's going to ruin it for your friends because they'll be like, oh, killjoy. They're not going to act like that because they're your friends, but still. Yeah, it's it's not a great experience in that regard. I appreciate what goes into some haunts. I also despise the idea of extreme haunts. They, They sound unnecessarily horrific. It's more like oh, yeah. a masochism thing. It's um, like, if you gotta torture me to quote-unquote scare me, you're not doing your job. Yeah, that's not scaring, that's torture. Most of the time it's like in a fetch-sized way, and that's something that's just not healthy for anyone involved. It's less terrifying and more like, oh man, you need to, you need to go to therapy if you're signing up for this shit. 
But yeah, that's why I don't like horse. But that's why I don't have as much experience with it as you guys. But um, I did look into... I researched into the history of horns. And weirdly, they started over here. Yup. So the first recorded purpose-built haunted attraction um, was the Orton and Spooner Ghost House, which opened in 1915, uh, Lip Hook in England. And it was like a carnival funhouse powered by steam yeah that was the start of the first dark rides right yeah so there's more akin to what we know as ghost trains than like a traditional haunt where you're kind of like railroaded through an animatronics ride oh so when you said powered by steam you're like you're in a vehicle and you rode through okay cool i mean ghost trains are still quite a big thing here again some of them have been closed down because they had actors actually like jumping out and touching you and people would just instinctively hear hit them so uh they had to close down a lot of things with real actors because uh we get violent when we're scared over here apparently yeah, you're a jumpy group yeah <laughs> but then they yeah obviously in the u.s they uh got really popular um like during the great depression yeah. um as like the sideshow like spook shows so like with traveling circuses and things like that and obviously you guys did what you do with a lot of our things and just took it and popularized it made it better consumerized (laughs) it and we were like okay we'll leave it to you guys you ruined it now (laughs) well it's interesting because we we popularized haunts so much during the great depression for two reasons uh the one being that was around the same time as america's first really big spiritualism boom so like in-home seances as of like the end of the 1800s into the early 1900s were like the big party gathering event. Like people would have just, they would invite mediums into their homes and spiritualists into their homes and just gather friends and have a seance. So around the great depression, they started creating these haunted attractions and there were more in-home haunts as a way to make this seance culture more accessible to kids. It was like around the same time as like trick-or-treating started becoming a thing. And I think it's really interesting because we're in this pandemic time right now where there's so much emphasis on like how do we bring Halloween home and what can we do at home where like that's kind of the same mindset that they were having. How do we continue to celebrate in a time where like there's no money, people aren't going out. So people started creating in-home haunts, trails between houses, and it was a way for them to combat the real and present dangers and fears of an actual dark time with some levity in dark figures and characters. Funny, I also found out that in Japan, there's tradition of making like ghost houses and haunts in your home during the summer because um, they believe that to ward off the heat of the summer then you have to be given the chills. Wow. I love that. And I really like that, (laughs) that they just have summertime haunts in their homes so that they can, like, scare off the heat. But they're, like, designed like escape rooms, so they're briefed on a story before they go into the house, Um, and then they're given tasks that they need to do while they're inside the haunt. So it's basically a haunt and an escape room mixed together, which sounds awesome. That, that's what I love about a good haunt. It's immersive. There's a story. It's themed. It isn't like, I don't like the haunts where you're going through it and like, this is the spider room. Here's the clown room. And yeah, this is, is our mad fierce. scientist. Give me a conducive story where I'm going to witness like, this is the parlor where the eldest daughter murdered her entire family. This is her room where she still resides. You can hear her scraping on the walls, whatever. Like, get me into the moment. Like Disney's Haunted Mansion. Yeah, which is very much responsible for, like, the technological haunt boom that we've had. That's why, like, I like stuff like um, Hell House LLC, because they incorporated their sort of natural lore of the supposed haunted house into their haunted attraction. And... Like that, that's compelling. That's fun. And it was shot at a natural, like, haunted attraction. Like, the hotel that's used in Hell House. Oh, so the actual location is is a haunt itself, 
in real life, and it's called The Haunting at the Waldorf Hotel, um, which is in Pennsylvania, and that's where they shot Hell House. That must have been so good for business after that came out. Yeah, I bet. But Hell House LLC is like exactly what I was talking about, where the house is the problem. Part of the reason I love those movies so much is because of how deep the lore goes. Like there are things that, sure, they'll cycle back and show you why you should be scared or like a jump scare here and there or like something weird. But if you're just paying attention to the subtext, all three movies are laid out in the first movie and it's all just like, you might have missed this small piece of dialogue, but you know, here's what happened in this house that made it the way that it is. And pieces of that are coming to light, whatever, a hundred years later. It is really clever the way that it's laid out because like I, when we watched the first one and then you were like, oh, there's two more that we can watch. And I was like, why does this need a sequel? Like I thought it was like fully encapsulated as it was. And I was like, oh, the sequels are going to suck. But actually it unfolds so much more of the story that you missed. Yeah. As you said, they laid out in the first one. It's just done in a really clever way. It was all really clever ideas. I think the third one I preferred to the second one. I mean, it was a really nice way of tying all the stories up so there wasn't really any loose ends and you were sort of left wanting more, but you also felt like they told you everything. We can go now. Can't come back from the third one. (laughs) Yeah, but I also really liked in the third one that it was based around them using the haunt location to do an immersive play um, and that they were doing uh, Faust. So I'm an English literature nerd. And I wrote one of my uh, final dissertations on Dr. Faustus by Christopher Marlowe. So when they talked about that, I was like, ah, I see why they chose that play. Because obviously it's about a deal with the devil and also about the idea of someone being killed and being sort of judged as to whether they were innocent enough to end up in heaven or be damned to hell. So it was really clever thinking of just little tiny touches like that that tied the story together the only thing that every time i think about these movies i do just think about that scar on the guy's face in the third movie though i don't know who did the makeup on that it literally just that's all i think about when someone says hell house now is that stupid lump of scar wax on that person's face so that that's my biggest pet peeve about hell house that one little blob of scar wax and it changed position every scene there was no continuity with that scar i was like is it gonna be on his head now or is it gonna be on like the cheek is it gonna be it's just this lump that moved (laughs) but if that's your one caveat that bodes well for the movie oh yeah completely i'm glad that you started working with scar wax so you understand how temperamental it is yes but i also understand that you can do it a lot better than that even in my five minute of practicing with it yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing. I don't want to insult something that I haven't tried to do myself and understood if it's difficult or not. And yeah, it's a difficult thing to do, but also it can be done a lot better than that. And if you're being paid to be a makeup artist... I want to talk about this more in an episode dedicated solely to special effects in film. But uh, this brings me back to a really good point where we can attribute haunt culture all the way back to one of my favorite people in history marie tussaud ah the madame right after the french revolution uh people might know marie tussaud as madame tussaud of madame tussaud's wax museums she was especially known for a particular role that she played in the french revolution utilizing her ability to recreate realistic looking heads so Shortly after the revolution is when she opened her first museum, and this was like one of the first forays into showcasing the macabre. Before then, it had just been stories, and we had things like Penny Dreadfuls, and you know there were the occasional stage play that would touch on ghostly themes, but this was people walking through an exhibit, seeing the decapitation of big political figures there would be these almost recreations and these very gruesome and realistic looking recreations of what happened during the revolution and what figures she had created replicas for and after that and people started to see that people were flocking to these gruesome morbid exhibits stage plays started to get more gruesome and focused more on practical theatrical effects 
which then prompted, as Anna, you were talking about, the um, ghost houses in England. Yeah, I mean, we we still have, I suppose, like, we have, I don't know what, what your version of it is called. It might be called the same, but we have Madame Tussauds Museum here. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. But we also have, like, as well as having, like, all the celebrities and stuff, and obviously the royal family and blah, 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 in the museum, like, they also have a, a dungeon section, which is just for, like, horror and, like, yeah, that's old, my favorite like, part. stuff. Yeah, it's, like, so cool. Oh, it's so um, grody. And they also have, like, pieces of the original stuff that uh, Mary Two Swords did, um, and, like, a whole section on the history as well. So it's really interesting. Super expensive to go to, but it's pretty worth it. What was I leading to? Were you going to talk about wax work? Oh, you can talk about House of Wax? Oh, yeah. I don't know how many wax museums they were beforehand, but obviously there was enough of them to make House of Wax popular. And obviously, I mean, the original, the the remake really sucked. Even though technically House of Wax is actually a remake, the original. Yeah, House how, of Wax Wait, is... how is an original a remake? Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> sort of like how The Thing is a remake of The Thing from Another World. Um, oh, House of Wax... Mystery of the Wax Museum? Yes. Um, really? Yeah, that's a, a I've never seen it. That's I've oh, never man. seen it, but that was in 1933, and then, obviously, House of Wax was 1953. I love House of Wax for this exact reason. Like, it's almost a direct homage to Madame Tussaud being the reason we have these practical effects in haunt culture and these exhibits where, you know, that uncanny valley syndrome kicks in, and you know, you're looking at something that's almost realistic but it looks like it can come to life at any moment and house of wax addresses that fear and a good haunt should address realistic fears and phobias yeah plus it's like a realistic fear that vincent price's character has in the film wanting to make the attraction popular again and running out of money and just like oh hey let's use corpses but also he's super pissed off (laughs) so um, but also it's got Carolyn Jones in it as well. So like Vincent Price and Carolyn Jones in the same movie <laughs> is perfection for me. Like Vincent Price and Morticia, just that should always be a combo. The fact that all of these like House of Wax and Waxwork type films like really play on the uncanny valley and making you address the unreal becoming real is mm-hmm. truly the mark of a good haunt. It's that immersive element. It's being present and in the moment. And it's the fear that, you know, what you're walking through could become a real horror at any given moment. And I think we're seeing a lot of that in more recent years because of the boom in true crime and people loving to get involved in these like cold cases where people are genuinely more afraid to go through haunts now because they're worried that someone might sneak into a haunt and commit a real murder well now i'm afraid of that <laughs> there was a haunt out in california that for years had been using a dead body as a prop and it wasn't until they were doing like a cleaning and recycling of all the stuff that they discovered that the body that they had been using for all these years was a real person so what kind of what kind of prop was it like a hanging body prop but it was so old that it just looked like it had been mummified Oh, so it was like all dried? Yeah. Oh my god. I forget the haunt and I forget the exact behind the story, but it turned out that like this body had like, it had done some traveling. It was exhumed from a grave. I think it was like the body of some criminal who, I forget why it was like super important that it remained in its grave, but then eventually made its way out to California into a haunted house. So that place is like crazy cursed? I would imagine. (laughs) Oh my god. But uh, that's why films like Houses October Built do a phenomenal job of of creating this fear because you have this group of people who are, in my opinion, living the dream, traveling the U.S., going to all of the haunted houses that they can all before the end of Halloween. And eventually these haunts get more and more immersive and they're always looking for the best one. So they're going for the thrill of the scare until it truly does become a real-life horror scenario. I mean, even in the beginning of um, Houses October Built, they sort of do it documentary style, so they're interviewing the horn actors, and I think they mention the 
like real body being used as a prop um and they mention that people aren't screened to see like if they have any mental health problems or if they come from a criminal background or anything like that before they're hired as haunt actors so that sort of probably gave them the idea and it's probably where a lot of these haunt films since how's october built have got the idea of like oh this is a real thing like people don't get screened so anyone could be in that horn anyone could like hurt you it was just a really clever like premise to go off but that's definitely my favorite haunt movie if not like one of my favorite movies anyway agreed i have a blue skeleton that i set out for halloween every year because of those movies plus we have our blue skeleton award at the film festival which is in honor of houses october bill it's just such a well done series of films that like just to think that it started out as a documentary like a real documentary on haunted houses and then was turned into a horror film that got a sequel that is surprisingly i know anna you and i differ on this i like houses october built 2 better than houses october built 1 i i definitely don't prefer the second one to the first one uh i was mad at the second one when i first started watching it because i was like hey what like this is totally different like what's going on and then the more they got into it i was like oh man this is fucking clever because it's it's such a play on the psychology behind haunt culture and how deep people get into it how far people are willing to go just to get a genuine scare yeah plus they got the the ptsd element in the second one so right because brandy's character obviously had like super ptsd from the first film understandably what what happens in the first film was horrific but playing on that more and the effects that haunts can have on you in that situation and in that mental state i thought that was really well done whether they intended to or not they hit that like right on the head whereas so many films that try and cover that don't do it well um, or do it justice that's but also, exactly how I felt when we were watching Extremity. We're going to move on to that in a second. But I do want to mention that with Houses October Built, has the only character that I can think of that genuinely unnerves me. And that's the porcelain doll. It, it's not just the way that she looks. Like The makeup and mask job and everything on that is fantastic. But the actor brings it to life so much. The Porcelain Girl is like my deep dive lore for Houses October Built and a big part of why I love 2 so much because she's never fully addressed or explained, but she plays a major role in the second film and you're left to sit there wondering whether or not she's in on it because she's there and she helps Brandy, but it almost seems unprompted from what the rest of the plan is. So yeah, like, it's like, is she... she there to thwart it? Is she there to like, technically look out for Brandy? Well, yeah. Was she even like part of the haunt in the first one, or was exactly. she following? She must have been following them separate away from the haunt. So technically, she's not part of the haunt. She's not part of them. Like, who is she? Where does she come from? Is she real? It's just such a well done character. But yes, yeah, sorry, we will talk about Extremity. That was. Was that 2019? Was that last year? I think year? so. Because we, I know we just watched it recently. Yeah, 2018. We didn't. Oh, I forgot I saw this. Yeah, Holy it's shit. one of the. It's definitely one of those. So it's it, extremity sounded interesting because its whole like I guess thing was that it was supposed to be about a girl with PTSD confronting all of her problems by going to a haunt or like an extreme haunt. And so I thought, okay, maybe they will handle the issue of PTSD and the effects that haunts have on it um, in this film. It kind of made a mockery, PTSD and mental health issues, um, which was off the bat really insulting and horrible to watch. So whether it was going to be a good film or not, it was it was already ruined from, from that. But also it was goddamn boring. Like, yeah, I, just, I don't really they... remember what happened apart from just walking in. They, they played it up in a way that you learn more about your protagonist as the story goes on. And I'm okay with that as a means of storytelling. But everything they were giving us was just such a nothing thing because it wasn't played out in how the protagonist dealt with her experiences moving forward. She is scared now. 
and here's a flashback to tell you what she experienced rather than her like actually portraying a real fear and having a moment of I need to confront this because this is part of my past. But there, there wasn't any character building at all. And I have recently learned that um, you can character build backwards and it sometimes works. But Oh, I was going to say, what did we watch that that was your experience? Slasher. I remember Slasher. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, season two sucks because the character building isn't happening. And by the end, I was like, that was genius. Yeah, season um, two is my favorite season of <clears throat> Slasher. Everything about Slasher is genius. We'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I didn't, like, they didn't present the character in a way where I cared about her experiences, cared why she was scared. I was just like, well, this is, this is pointless. I don't care what she goes through. And really with any horror film, you need the people watching it to care in one way or another, whether they like the character or not. They need to care whether or not they go through these things. Because otherwise it's just like, okay, well, that character died and you move on. Whereas... If it's a good character, you're like, yes, that character died, or, oh man, that character died, that's so sad. That seems to be a problem that we run into with a lot of these haunt films. They're just expendable rooms filled with expendable characters. It's almost like the people who are making these haunt films want to run a haunt, but don't have the time or dedication to do a full season haunt. So they do a one-off film where they get to showcase the rooms that they would have done in a haunt, but aren't going to do. Or so that they can take the quote-unquote scare to the extreme of actually killing a character that they can't do in a haunt. This is a huge problem with Rob Zombie's 31. When I heard that Rob Zombie was making a haunt film, I was so psyched because his whole aesthetic is haunt. Cool, I'm all about that. House House of a Thousand Corpses is a great haunt film. The inciting incident of that is essentially going through a ghost train. But 31 is just... These garbage, faceless characters going through these nothing rooms, facing nothing. It's just, it's shock. It's like, oh, here's a Nazi little person, so you should be unnerved now, I guess. And it's just stupid through and through. Like, there's nobody to care about. I don't care who dies. I don't care how they die, because the kills aren't even inventive. The problem is with Rob Zombie and anything that he has made after devil's rejects is that his passion for writing a film doesn't exist anymore his reason for making a film is it doesn't even matter what i do what i write what this film is about people will come and see it because i'm rob zombie and they will throw their money at me and they will rave about it because i'm rob zombie and i'm a god of horror as he thinks he is the the problem is that yeah rob zombie has a great aesthetic himself But he just replays that aesthetic every single film that he makes, every single piece of music that he makes, he just recycles. He has one idea, he's done it already, and he will keep doing it a hundred times until people stop throwing money at him. This is part of my problem with it, because Rob Zombie actually runs a haunt every year. Seriously? And it sounds great. It's I think it's the Great American Nightmare. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd think you'd be really good at haunts, because in House of Thousand Corpses, as you said, like, Captain Spaulding's is, I want to go there, still. I may have broken up with Rob Zombie, but I still want to go to Captain Spaulding's museum, because Yeah, yeah you can still hang awesome. out with his friends. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare will not reopen for 2016. Oh, bless him. I guess it's been <laughs> defunct for a while. <laughs> I'm on the website. Whoops. <laughs> hey, when did 31 come out? <laughs> 2016 yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> whoopsies oh my god i'm um but like yeah um, i respect his penchant for horror i respect his uh, haunt culture aesthetic and lifestyle and that seems to translate over really well into great american nightmare but like when it comes to the film you have to go an extra step further because you can't actually immerse your viewer in the scenario that you're creating so like 31 is kind of played out in a way that like you're watching it so you're supposed to feel like you're there but you're not you're not actually there you're not witnessing the rooms it's different than actually being at a haunt that's why i think doing hell house as a found footage pushes it over certain hurdles that other movies run into where you sort of like you watch them set it up and then you watch them go through it and it's almost like a first person experience of going through the haunt and 
that sort of like takes the 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 spot of having relatable characters that you actually care about where like if 31 had like better characters and had better more immersive rooms and uh i guess like villains then it would feel i think also like a more more realistic set of fears for the rooms to focus on because like before 2020 like nazi little person was not something that i was worried about it's 2020 now though so i i'm worried about nazis again well i think that that's part of the problem that a lot of haunts probably have is that it's really hard to scare people now because we live in a terrifying time as it is but also we have so much more like access to to horror which has covered everything that you could kind of be scared of really so it must be difficult for these haunts to think of something new that might actually like scare people well that's why a lot of them are are, are jump scare reliant because they they don't play on the the sort of dread they just play on the fact that getting something thrown in your face will elicit startle a, you yes being and startled is different than being scared i'll say it for exactly. films i'll say it for haunts it's not a genuine scare like i should go home worried about what i've just been a part of exactly it should unnerve you make you feel uncomfortable and leave you afterwards feeling uncomfortable to think about it but like not in like a triggering way but just in a like oh man that was scary like the porcelain doll but it sounds like haunts just kind of make you go oh that was there was something in my face and then you yeah. leave, and then you're like, well, there we go, that's over. And you don't go to sleep yeah. at night thinking about it. Exactly. Like, I went to a haunt yesterday, and, like, I'm terrified of haunted houses. I just don't like things jumping out at me. That's what gets me the most. I, like, I can walk through any of the rooms. Like, I don't give I don't give a shit about, like, the atmosphere. Like, I can walk through and be like, it's fake, it's fake, and, like, go through that. But as soon as somebody's, like, jumping out around a corner, like, I don't like that feeling but also that goes away the moment i walked outside i was like ha wow i would do that again (laughs) it's just like it doesn't it doesn't stay with you the way that some some other stuff does like in some of these movies that i that i've watched but that should be a part of it because you just said you don't give a shit about the atmosphere then the haunt's not doing its job because i mean that that's what i was saying like i mean like if it's just like that sort of like this is supposed to be scary where they put you in a room where there's like uh, just like skeletons over here. And then this is like cobwebs like that doesn't do it yeah. for me. It needs to be immersive uh, and it needs to. The room I, itself should tell the story like you should be unnerved because there are claw marks in the wall. What did that? Don't answer that. Don't give me like here's a werewolf prop in the next room. Like make me wonder what where does this blood trail lead don't just like stack up a bunch of rubber body parts yeah some thought and design behind it not just like this is a room of props that all have the theme of doctor yeah (laughs) this is why i would love to design a horn it just sounds like from what you guys have told me from going to actual horns like every room is exactly the same and like a pile of body parts like who finds that scary that's in that's 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 in most historical museums and those yeah. aren't haunts. Those are like that's learning facilities. Yeah. I just, yeah. And it sounds like there's always a butcher room. And don't they always end with someone chasing you with a chainsaw? Yes. Sometimes. But I get that because it's an attraction. You have to move people along. If it's done well and there is a lot of atmosphere to look at, you can find yourself lingering a bit too long. And that's going to stop up the line. So the chainsaw is to chase people out of the haunt and be like, you need to go now. So I, but does it always I, have to I be understand a chainsaw? chainsaw person. Well, there, the chainsaw has the startling effect of the loud noise. Everybody recognizes the sound of a chainsaw. So you know that this is a true danger if this is a real chainsaw. So it's, <laughs> it's gonna, time to go. It's going to shock you out of the room. There was uh, one year that I went through a haunt and I was dicking around through the whole thing. I was Your leading menace. my group. And I was, like, prompting some of the scare actors as to who's scared of what and giving people's names and stuff to make the haunt more immersive for them. And I made it to the end before them. So I'm in the room where the uh, pig-headed butcher, which everyone has seen in every haunt ever, uh, is chasing me out with a chainsaw. 
and I ran instead of like walked at a brisk pace. I triggered a um, motion sensor animatronic and the motion sensor is supposed to go off just before you leave. So a giant boar leaps out from under a table and blocks the en- exit so that you get like one last scare. So like the chainsaw isn't the scare, it's the boar. But because I was running, I got pinned to the wall by this boar and I've never <laughs> screamed louder. <laughs> that is some horror movie bullshit. <laughs> oh my god. That's when you find out that the pig-headed butcher is real this time. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. And oh man. I think I want to dial it back just a second. I want to talk about how the technological advances of these haunts and haunt culture and horror films have kind of spoiled us as to why we're not afraid of things as much anymore. And it takes so much more to push that. Uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion ride was the first really commercialized haunt to utilize like advanced technology. And after that, everyone started to up their haunt game. And so as the haunt game increases... It's kind of like an art imitates life and life imitates art scenario where uh, we take these real life horrors and things people are afraid of. We put them in a haunted house and people's fears are always changing and evolving. It's like how we were talking about the eras of horror films where like the atomic monster doesn't scare anymore. So we had to move to the stranger next door. As the technology increases, we become more and more jaded as we go through these haunts. And it's like, this doesn't scare me as much because I've already seen it. The pig-headed butcher isn't scary because I've already seen him. And as these horror films get better and scarier and use more technology and we're watching them more regularly because we have streaming platforms, horror is in our home. Horror is in our everyday life. Blood and gore and guts just don't do it for people anymore. Whereas like a pile of body parts would have absolutely scared somebody 20, 30 years ago. But now we see a pile of bodies everywhere. We watch Z Nation and it's just bodies on bodies on bodies. And like, it's just a trope now. A good haunt where the the house is the problem. And, you know, maybe there is a bit more of a haunting element to it. That's the stuff that lingers. It's its simplicity. It's primal. It's something where, you know... I'm here because this house has a history and that history is what's lingering with me. The house, the rooms, they're telling the story and I'm left to just put the pieces together. So your imagination gets the better of you. No technology, no props. It's just a story that you're a part of. What sort of technology was so advanced in the the Disney thing? Uh, Haunted Mansion was the first to utilize... I don't want to say the first, but they really utilized illusions of light play, which had only really been seen in a more primitive circumstance of things like ghost shows and like old school seances. But are you talking about like the Pepper's Ghost effect? Yes. I don't know if that's. But like Disney was the first to like really commercialize that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like like I was saying, after the Great Depression, we started home haunts. Then it wasn't until I think the '60s that Disney did the Haunted Mansion. And then, like, the commercial haunts started to really pick up. I totally understand. Because <laughs> I was like, because uh, the, the Pepper's Ghost thing was like so, such like a sideshow yeah. thing. It was for a sideshow thing. It was done for seances, it was done for ghost shows. Like, the spirit cabinet was a popular thing for magicians where they would just create the illusion of a ghost in a box and people would go wild. I. I love it. I think it's very good. The Twilight Zone does that. The Tower of Terror as well. I've never been on Twi- on uh, Tower of Terror because that is a technological. I don't marvel. like <laughs> drops. Speaking of Marvel, <laughs> it's not Tower of Terror anymore. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. What? Yeah, they got Ugh. rid of Tower of Terror. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Why the fuck would they do that? So as far as uh, like ride attractions and uh, the the ghost train sort of haunted mansion bit. You guys saw Hellfest? No, no. I you didn't watch. <laughs> I can't bring myself to because Hellfest just looks like Hollywood said, "Oh yeah, Houses October built is doing really well. Let's throw money at something that is the same." Well, Hellfest, it's rather than them traveling to haunts across the country it's a traveling haunt that sets up and it becomes like that it's hellfest and sort of like carnival style and you do there's like a haunt village where they have attractions and rides and games and all that but there is that 
level of there's one killer uh, in sort of like a scream style that is stalking the the group as they go through this park. And it's got like all the tropes in it, like the ride breaks down and they're like, help. And then you the killer comes out and they're like, oh, are you here to help us? And he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> quite the opposite. Yeah, I definitely um, think that plays on the, the true crime boom where people are afraid that a real murderer is going to slip into a haunted house because like everybody's wearing costumes, everybody's wearing masks. And that's what is starting to scare people about you know, the celebration of Halloween. Yes, we are like, welcoming it's, it's, to strangers. It's funny that you should say like the, the true the true crime boom. It's exactly that where they they walk in. To, to Hellfest, the main characters, and they're talking about how there's like a one one off line where they mention, you know, invisible monsters walking among us. They play it off for a cheap scare, but it comes full circle around to the end where huge spoiler alert here. So it wraps up with the police coming in at the last minute to save the last two characters from this masked killer which is kind of like a bad ripoff of a Scream mask from the first season of the Scream TV show, but let's not even go there. Oh, boy. And we know how I feel about the first season of the Scream TV show. Yeah, it looks horrible. You're not so the police this come Joseph. in. I miss House's October <laughs> built. <laughs> the police come in, and they they rescue the two survivors, but the killer gets away. And where a normal movie would follow those last two survivors and like, oh, and they'll say something to the camera and then the it'll pan up to the sky and the leaves are falling or whatever. It follows the killer home where he just like he gets into a pickup truck. He drives to his house. He puts his mask and some trophies he's taken into a case full of other trophies from other people that he's murdered, presumably as a haunt actor in this haunt every year. And... He walks into the living room where his daughter is asleep on the couch and she gets up, she gives him a big hug and he gives her like a little carnival stuffed animal prize. That's just like a level of depth to show like this is like, you know, serial killers can be just the unassuming guy next door. There are invisible monsters hiding among us. All right. I do like that that angle if that's like how it ends. Like, That's the only good part. <laughs> the The haunt itself, it's very generic. You don't spend any time like in, uh, in like rooms or like with the the ride. It's more just like them running from somebody in a crowded area of like help, help. Somebody's chasing me. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's fucking Hellfest, dude. That's what we do. Oh my god! Also a trope. Just yeah, like, exactly. The murder is normal. Cool. I, like the things that you're saying about it addressing haunt culture. I like anything that it brings light to the fact that, like, this is a lifestyle for people. Like, they live for the haunt, haunt actors. We have a friend who just got awarded for 25 years of service in the same haunt. People live for this stuff. And we live to go to them and experience them. I like that. But I also, again, going back to Houses October Built, they, in the course of, I think each film is about an hour and a half, touch on almost every different element of haunt culture they do a zombie run they do one of the big halloween parties in the city they're going to different styles and levels of immersive and extreme haunts like anything that showcases how much work and effort goes into being a haunter and being a part of a haunt i love that it's it's a labor of love and it shows the same way that we praise horror filmmakers that uh show their dedication and love to the genre Haunts, while they're part of the genre of horror, it's its own subculture and it needs its own love and care and it's got its own set of rules and guidelines. You watch some of the haunt actors in these movies and real haunt actors are going to be either pleased or displeased. They're going to be the more scrutinizing people who are watching this. They've done it. They've lived it. You see, we keep saying the word haunt. Did you guys see the haunt from last year? I love haunt. Whoa, what? I told you at the time I didn't like it. The first, like, hour is not good. Wait, no. you guys are betraying me right now. I We literally watched it together, and afterwards I said, I didn't like it much. I thought you just didn't really like the ending, which, like, I'm... I despise the ending, but, the like... The ending is the good part. No! Where are we? <laughs> but, but I also this said house to you that I didn't... Apart. I, I told you I didn't like it at the time. It just... It didn't do anything. There was, like, some okay elements... 
So um, I like the mask designs. Yeah, and then the, that's the, all I can reveal, think of. <laughs> the reveal behind the mask designs is awesome. Oh yeah, makeup is great. It's haunt culture, it's body mods, it's these people live for their haunt, and their haunt is a real horrifying experience. Yeah, everybody, it was... it's like Houses October, but you're going out looking out for the biggest, most extreme haunt, and it leads you to a backwoods warehouse, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is like so, it's the exclusivity of it. You want to be a part of it so you could say that you did it. You did the extreme haunt. You went into the backwoods where there's no coming back. And this movie makes me want to fucking scream. No! I, I did, they, I like the so character much, design, that was it. So much of the plot hinges on coincidence. Because <laughs> the, the whole reason they're there in the first place is that they they come across a flyer just like on the ground uh, and it says like extreme haunt and then they go there. But none of them seem to be very enthused to be going on a haunt except for the main guy. I say the main guy, but just like the, the bad comedic relief that is not funny and not likable. Oh my God, I forgot about him. He sucks. Oh my yeah. God, I hated him so much. Sorry. They try to they oh. they make him like a bad TJ Miller who is already like a <laughs> when they don't write him correctly insufferable, and so they go to this haunt where there's one small group ahead of them, and it's just like red flag, red flag, red flag. And I know you, Anthony, you praise the exclusivity, but if it's like that good of a haunt, I'm not fucking with that. Are you kidding me? But it's they they draw them in by the like, oh my god, that looks so real who's a plant and who's not. And like, that's what people are looking for during this hunt for the extreme haunt. What's the scariest? It's something that makes you feel like it's real danger. But there's no, there's no, there's no hunt for it. They're just looking for something to do that isn't being at the bar on Halloween. Yeah. And like, I'll give you that. The inciting incident is not great because we could have And then every incident to follow. Anyone. But the point is like, someone will end up here. It's supposed to make you feel like, oh, that, like, could be you. You don't know what you're getting into with the haunts that you go to, unless they're, like, tried and true staples. Like, we have a few on Long Island that, like, you know, you know exactly what you're in for. That, with that, that would not get me inside because I'm a human being with rational thought. I understand, like, thrill seekers looking for something like that, but these are, like, random people. Just, like, a, like a hand-picked trope of college students that that go to this just because they're looking for something to do and they go in fine like that's a given the there's this like weird subplot of the girl is the the lead girl is a victim of domestic violence her mother is a victim of domestic violence which seems sort of like ham-handedly shoved into there to become plot relevant and then there's uh, a ring that was worn by her mother that is precious to her that her roommate borrows for her Halloween costume, which is a cat, which doesn't make <laughs> sense that she has to wear this specific ring that is the one most precious thing that this girl has in the entire world. Okay. And I need it to be a cat for Halloween. I'm hearing you. I'm. They did I'm force a... a character into that girl and it didn't work. Absolutely. And, and it... <laughs> the, the problem is all of this. This is very true. The problem is they did no character building despite huge attempts like that to try and give their characters a personality it, it just kind of failed i do love the character designs i think his name was mitch the one mitch was the ghost yeah the ghost guy with like the long face i love that mask and i thought his character was fun he was like a, like a marshmallow mask yeah and you were like is he trying to help them is he like trying to screw with them but, There's a weird moment though where like his shoe is sticking out and then one of the characters looks at it and then he puts his shoe back under his cloak. What the hell was that? Maybe he was self-conscious? Because <laughs> it, it was like, I thought it was building up to something like, oh, they're going to recognize this guy. And then it just... I think Mitch is worried they'll know nothing. he's not a real ghost. He's wearing, <laughs> he's like wearing like sketchers. <laughs> and he's like, oh no, they're going to know I'm a dad. <laughs> the rooms in this, I, I thought were kind of cool. As, as they go along, they have, like, all the, the typical, like, oh, this is the hallway full of spiders. And I was like, ooh, that would make yuck me out. But then they're like, oh, but there's real spiders in there. And that would make me very ill. See, I'd um, find that cute. I don't like spiders. I don't want them on me. I would rescue them. 
But they were venomous spiders. Yeah, so they shouldn't be climbing in walls where people are going to hurt them. <laughs> you say it's the spider's fault? Yeah, I'm scared for the spiders. I'm not even scared for anyone else. <laughs> There's a cool room where they do, um, you have to get inside the coffin and close it in order to move to the next room. There's like a level of immersion with that and going from room to room was kind of fun. And then they kind of, they sort of taper off where it's like, here's a little graveyard setting and there's also a chainsaw man here. <laughs> Whatever, you gotta, that turnover, you need that turnover. But then when the characters start going behind the scenes and you see like literally the backsides of some of these rooms and the the production that was going into it, like I thought that was fucking cool. Yeah. What secret and passageways lead to what rooms and... Exactly. And it's so you can see like how the actors and performers, but actual killers are getting around and uh, you see like their little lives... Where they have like a, a break room and yeah. shit from that they take from killing. Yeah, where they eat all their cell phones or whatever is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I wish more of the film was like the second half because the the main girl, Harper, sort of like shifts into final girl mode. I didn't like that element of things because like Anna, you were saying there's no character development. I don't feel like she earned it. She just she becomes a final girl by happenstance. With the whole, like, uh, triggered gun timing, cool effect, cool premise, but um, it doesn't register to me what provokes her to become full final girl in the house at the end. Yeah, like, so she's that's... somebody who's been through a lot, and they, she doesn't face her trauma, she's just instantly bold. Right, well, there's there's a level of, like... It's it's fight or flight, and her her exit is cut off. So and now I have to fight back. But also, uh, just another thing of coincidence, where like the I I like the last room being an escape room style. I thought that was kind of cute. But then they lead her around the room, and if you're doing an escape room, you're gonna look all over the place, and the 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 key to get out is just under the bed. But like, what if you looked under the bed first and you found the key, and you're just done? Yeah, but. <laughs> So anyway, that's neither here nor there. But then when she goes into the hallway and she realizes, like, oh, and they they do like a weird sort of flashback to like her hiding under the bed from her parents, yeah. like, and her her dad abusing her mom, and like that sort of like gets her to jump into action, which whatever. And then it becomes like a fight for survival where she's using her, but she's not really using anything. She's using what she's already witnessed in the haunt like she's just like i saw this here i'm gonna do it now like the nail trap like she experienced the nail trap in the haunt so she's like let me do this in my home now oh no i'm not talking about like the end i'm talking about the the final girl part where she's running and defending herself oh that's that's final girl the setting the traps and then Killing the guy at the end is not Final Girl. That's you, We could have just cut to credits before that. It's when she's going back through the haunt and trying trying to escape. And and she starts using things that are in the haunt. Like she yeah, uses the that part I'm to cool jab with. the guy in the eye. That's what I'm talking about. I don't That's like after the hospital very... sequence. Like, I fully agree. Cut to credits before then. Yeah, exactly. It was a cool moment, though, where they they need her to fill out uh, release form so she can leave the hospital and she's like oh shit i wrote my address down for these people yeah i i did like that and if it was like credits there hell yeah but for everything i just said like against this movie like it's written and directed by the guys that wrote a quiet place i expected it to be like a, at least a little better but uh, it's shot really well and the establishing shot of like the street with the leaves falling, it's very autumny, it's very haunty, and it got me into the the spirit of the season very well. Yeah, I think a, a haunt is a good way to get into the spirit because it's like you're you're in all the horrors that you're gonna watch through the season and celebrate and I don't know, like the, there's something special about a haunted house. I think the summary of this episode just needs to be watch houses October built. <laughs> And Hell House. And Hell House, yeah. But, but, but not Bloodfest. What's Bloodfest? not anything else that we mentioned. That's my dishonorable mention. <laughs> so I was, I, I rewatched Hellfest getting ready for this episode and Bloodfest came up. It came out uh, in 2018. <laughs> it's like a, a horror film festival 
kind of, uh, and there's like a blood drive style event where they come out and he's like all dressed up and he's got a cane and he goes, blood fest! And everybody no, goes insane really? for this film festival. Yeah. I'm mad. Uh, but then a, a bunch of people with chainsaws in pig masks come in and they start killing everybody in the crowd. Are you lying to me right now? No. This is the worst. Yeah, I checked out at that point, and then I watched the rest of it, and it doesn't get any better. <laughs> oh my god. Anthony, get us get us out of here. I I talked about all my good ones. I talked about my couple bad ones. Alright. Well, I think if we're about done facing our fears here, do you guys want your fear of the day? Sure. I like all fears of the day. I will probably mispronounce it. But your fear of the day is homiclophobia. With an H? Yep. Homiclophobia? Yep. Anna? I think all of us here might be homiclophilic. Someone who's scared of things that are haunted? No. Dozer, have you looked up yet? Have I looked it <laughs> up? Are you accusing me of cheating during this game? I'm just that good, baby. Yeah, I'll show you my hands. Um, Dora, I can see my face in the reflection in your glasses. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is it the fear... It's not homunculophobia? No. Okay, that's free, fear of a, a little created man. Hom? That's that, that's that's people. Icula is like Drac, Dracula or film. Uh, is it afraid of horror movies? No. Afraid of actors? No. Okay, I lose. I also lose. It is the fear of fog. Oh. <laughs> What's that got to do oh. with anything? <laughs> the fog machines in haunted houses. Oh. <laughs> oh, that fog machine smell. I love that. That is a good smell, actually. That Fear of ghost smells pirates. like home. You guys got any of them sweet, sweet recommendations? Yeah. How about Toby Hooper's Funhouse? Or The Funhouse? I've never seen it. Or Carnival of Terror? Oh, man. Why didn't I think of that? Okay, go for it. Um... <laughs> Strangely, like as far as Toby Hooper movie goes, to- oh my, I'm having a stroke. Toby Hooper movie. As far goes? as Toby Hooper movies go, it's not my favorite, but it is ab- so fun. The beginning of this is uh, a tongue-in-cheek reference to the opening of Halloween and Psycho, which I thought was very cool. So it's a it's about a traveling carnival where, in typical fashion, a bunch of teens get high and then sneak into it after closing. And they do, they go through like all of the the exhibits and it's just, shit goes wrong, becomes like a bit of a slasher. You know, it's a fun one. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. I'm going to check it out because I need to figure out what it means for something to become a bit of a slasher rather than being a slasher. So my recommendation isn't really about a haunt. It, it's more going the route of a haunted house, but. I chose it because of its name. It's called Legend of Hell House. And it's a 1973 British film. It's not a Hammer film, but around that sort of era of greatness. And it's based on the 1971 novel uh, called Hell House, which is by Richard Matheson, who obviously did I Am Legend. It's got the same sort of premise as Shirley Jackson's Hill House, where like a group of four people go in and they're investigating this uh, house where this rich millionaire guy lived and would just violently kill people and kind of suggested that he had like a fetish for it. So it just follows them around and it's like a series of possessions and psychic attacks rather than relying on like jump scares or like ghosts or anything like that. Ooh. Which is, it, it reminds me a lot of the haunting which is obviously same sort of premise of like psychic attacks rather than showing you a ghost to terrify you isn't the haunting also based off of hill house that is based off of hill house that's, that's, God the, bless that's, Shirley Jackson. that's the good version of of hill house rather than the tv show or the remake of the haunting oh not looking forward to watching bly manor i love if it's the same as hill house i'm gonna be very sad it's the pumpkin spice latte of the horror world <laughs> Bluffton, you got a uh, recommendation? Uh, yeah, I am going back to what I had originally said about the house being the problem Only you know me, I can't get away from ghost stories So I'm going to recommend Winchester 
which does an incredible job capturing room-to-room horrors, creating a confined, strange, yet familiar uh, atmosphere to make you uncomfortable, while also introducing, I know, all of our favorite trope, the kind of 13 ghosts element, where, like, there are so many different ghosts that are just there to make a presence, give you an inkling into their life and their death, which is the horrifying element of their existence, and just create an overall fantastic haunting experience. Wow, that sounds awesome. I almost watched it the other day, but I was too tired. I keep running into that. It's a little long, and like, I love it. Yeah, I was looking at it. I have like a few gripes with it, but nothing that like would sway me from telling you like, spend your time, watch this film. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. We'll see you in hell. Get out. Yep.